0: Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live.
1: So a false perception is, if I'm thinking of a limiting belief about myself and I think that... I am not good enough or I'm not smart enough, that becomes my truth. Even just doing this for 30 days, you'll look back and think, whoa, so far, these are the opportunities that come in my life just because I've been focusing on the thoughts that empower me versus disempower me. It's incredible. This is for realsies, like it is 2019, we are in this. So it's one of those things you either hop on the boat and you get with the manifestation train, or it's like you're missing out on very natural, pure energy that's here to bring us to what we desire.
0: Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great. Fit. This year we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. This episode features Taylor Simpson. You can find her on Instagram and elsewhere at I am Taylor Simpson. That's a great Instagram handle. I want to have Taylor on the show because she is like, for me... For me, she's like a young Joe Dispenza, like a young Joe Dispenza. She has the ability to take the woo-woo and make it scientific, which I like. I like woo-woo, and I like science and I like somebody who can put them together and she can do it. I love how she does it. So who is Taylor Simpson? She is a leading expert in the field of confidence building, self-love, transformational work, and an online business building strategist. She's the founder of the Confidence Academy and the online business building tribe. So Be sure to take a screenshot of this episode, share it on the socials, and remember to tag me and I am Taylor Simpson. Let us know what you thought of the show. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation I had with Taylor. Taylor, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm really excited for this.
0: You know what? I am super pumped to have you here today. So I really, really appreciate you making the time.
1: Yes, um, thank you for having me on. I am I'm jazzed.
0: <laughs> well, I think what we'll do is we'll talk about. We'll break it up into three parts. We'll first talk yes. about the the science of achievement and how you are helping people manifest what they want in their lives. And then we'll talk a little bit about the art of fulfillment and maybe some things that you do to help you feel more fulfilled. And then we'll wrap with some rapid fire questions. Cool?
1: Love it. Bring it.
0: All right. So let's start at the beginning. Can you tell me where you grew up and how you would describe your childhood?
1: Oh my gosh. I love this question because that's like my favorite. So I grew up in Colorado, in the mountains, middle of nowhere. Closest neighbor was probably... 20 miles away. So I grew up on like 100 acres and we had a basketball court outside. Everything was outside in trampolines. And it was just amazing. I was about as mountain girl as you could possibly get. Uh, No cable TV, any of that. And so it really was just me In nature and getting dirty and playing with my siblings and and not having any of, thank God, the distractions that kids have nowadays.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it was just a lot of fun, a lot of play.
0: What did your parents do for a living?
1: Yeah. So my dad was a VP of a computer software company. And my mom was actually um, one of the, the first female boss ladies at DuPont. So. Boss lady. Was... I like that. That's a hashtag <laughs> now, isn't it? right i mean, before the hashtag yeah before hashtag boss lady existed this is back in the 90s and so yeah so she they they she was just a, a go getter and and also like you wouldn't even know it because she was such a good job they they, they both did a good job about being present even though they had these like really high level jobs we would never have known as kids which is amazing
0: now where do you get the energy from? You have crazy bouncy <laughs> high-end energy. You're like a ball of freaking fire. Is it mom or dad?
1: Um it's both, for sure. Like my so my mom, but probably my mom more because she she did it all. Like she was just that woman who was the president of the PTA, she was at all of our soccer games. She you know, cooked us dinner and then also did her job. Like she to this day, right now, she actually was just down, she's retired now. Um, she was in Peru for two months, volunteer teaching at a school and like doing that. And then in the evening she'd be hiking, and she's in her sixties. So a a hundred percent my mother.
0: <laughs> well, listen, be careful, sixties. I'm gonna be sixty in seven years. So I'm like right behind your mother. So I don't know if I'm gonna be hiking Peru anytime soon, but that's pretty cool. So yeah. I want to fast forward a little bit to your education yeah so you got your master's degree in international development and international studies and you wound up um, on capitol hill in dc and you thought you had this like dream job but then you realized you know what i don't love it it's not for me was the stress just too much or what happened there
1: Yeah. So Capitol Hill... So actually, the reason I even got those degrees and worked on Capitol Hill was not really for me. It was one of those stories where I did all the things in order to Make it look good on the outside because at that time I it was dealing with severe uh, social anxiety, people pleasing to the wazoo, and it was all stemmed from being bullied as a as a child for my too much personality and my too much energy. So it's funny you say that, and it really just too much of being me. So I I chose that career because on the East Coast here in Washington D.C where i where i w- went to college in this area it was like the job to get like if you worked on capitol hill you were amazing you were the shit like it was awesome and so that's why i chose it and i kind of did the did the steps got the job and yeah just immediately once reality hit of oh crap this is the life that i have spent years educating myself to be in and I was miserable because it was not a fit for my personality. Once I learned, was starting to learn who I was doing a lot of self-work and self-development, I realized I am not someone who wants to work from eight in the morning until midnight some nights. I am not someone who has to be... I don't know if I, you can curse on... Can, you, can I, can yeah, I get here? Yeah, you, okay, can, okay. can, can you I can, should can, have can, asked can, that I
0: already have <laughs> I already have the explicit rating, so fuck away.
1: Okay, thank God. Um, So yeah, a lot of ass kissing on Capitol Hill. Like it is all about ass kissing and who you know, uh, who you can, who you can please the most. And it was just not fun. Like that, it's cut out for a certain type of breed, and I was not that breed. I was finding myself coming home from work like just drinking a bottle of wine eating all the ice cream and and you know just not feeling fulfilled or being seen for my skills and my uniqueness so I quickly it was like a very short term um, it was about a year on Capitol Hill and then I decided to go into my next sector was for the United Nations and yeah it was just a hundred percent I was I am not an ass kisser and I'm a, I'm a bit of a smart ass and I'm a little curt sometimes just because I'm honest and so you don't do that to senators and delegators and I that. So I wouldn't have gotten very far in that life because
0: <laughs> but, you're, but you're still there right you're still in DC
1: Yep, I still live in DC because my, my husband works um, for the State Department so we're here uh, for his his job but hope he's segueing out of that soon and back to Colorado.
0: By the way, I feel like that's a CIA agent when he worked for the State <laughs> well, Department. Does he do Does he do anything cool?
1: Well, he actually he was um, Spec Ops uh, in the in the Ranger. So he was he he served overseas for about eight years as a Spec Ops. So he now um, is re- like obviously retired from that. So he doesn't really do any of the cool stuff he used to do. Uh, it's more just contract work and desk work. <laughs>
0: Interesting, you know, yeah. I, have, I have zero connection to the military and today um, I'm interviewing a green beret after uh, after we do our call. So oh, wow. that was at our mastermind. I love it. Yeah. yeah, so that's so that's so crazy. Okay, so you talk a lot about discovering false perceptions of ourselves. Can you sort of just walk through assume that the listener has no idea what any of these terms are. So like when when we talk about a false perception, what what do you mean by that?
1: So a false perception is to me is if, if, if I'm thinking of a limiting belief about myself and I think that I am not good enough or I'm not smart enough, that becomes... My truth that becomes who I am. Like if someone tells me, "Hey, you know, you're not smart enough to work on Capitol Hill, or you're not smart enough to own your own business," and if I believe it, that becomes my truth.
0: Mm, interesting. What at what time in your life did you have that issue?
1: Yes. Oh my, forever. So, <laughs> from for, forever <laughs> until like five years ago, no joke. And I'm in my 30s now. So, I, when I moved from Colorado to the East Coast here, and I was really into fashion and having a statement pant on or statement shoes and really into just sharing my personality through clothes. And I went to the first day of school in seventh grade. Everyone loves middle school, right? So, I ro- roll in there with my neon pink pants, my polka dot shirt, glitter all over my face. And just excited to be that new girl who everyone's going to be like, who is she? I want to be her friend. And come to find out, they I am met with not very welcoming eyes. And that quickly turned into being made fun of for my outfits, which I kind of alluded to earlier. Mm -hmm. Being made fun of for that, which I then morphed my outfits to fit in with them. So my new false perception is, okay... This is not this is not how you're supposed to dress. You have to dress like this. And I did that. And then my personality was too much. I talked too much. I talked too fast. You're just too much. So I eventually then morphed my personality to fit in with them. So from seventh grade until the age of 25. My false perception of myself is you are too much. Your light is too bright. You're, you annoy people with your too muchness, and which led to those insecurities, those I am not enough and that led me to not speaking up that led me to having severe um like panic attacks the idea of being called on and speaking in front of a group like even in my classroom in high school or college i would avoid it at all costs like i would barter with professors to not have to give presentations it was that bad so my my false perception of you are not enough was so ingrained that it kept me playing small until 5 6 years ago
0: it's really, really interesting. You know, you're making me think about something. Have you ever done any Tony Robbins work?
1: Uh, yes, I actually, I were, we're going to UPW this year and I went to a couple of his events here in DC this past year.
0: Have you done UPW before?
1: Nope, no, we got tickets. So we have to decide which one we're going to go to.
0: <laughs> well, UPW is going to be great, um, but you just said something that, that triggered... What I learned there. And it was, he asked a question. You'll, you'll go through this when you go through UPW. He asked a question, which parents' love did you crave the most? Which parents' love did you crave? Not once, but crave. And then the second part of the question is, once you identify that, the second part is, who did you have to be for them to get their love?
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I, I, oh, that's a beautiful question. And I'll <laughs>
0: tell you, what's really interesting about this is what you just said, playing small, you triggered something for me at a time in my life where I played small. And my dad, I craved, when I went through this process, I craved my dad's love more than I craved my mom's. And I was like, well, who did I have to be? My dad was a blue collar worker. So anybody that made, you know, let's call it $100,000 a year or more. Was those people, you know, they were the suits, they were the, they were conceited, they had their nose in the air. So I forced myself to play small, because I wanted his love. And so those two questions are really, really interesting around the subject. So I think you're really going to enjoy uh, UPW. Interesting stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I actually, I did a a weekend kind of deep dive seminar and we did those questions and I know exactly <laughs> which one. Oh,
0: so you know <laughs> what it's about. Which So tell me oh, about for you. Yeah. Which, which, oh, which was it for
1: you? It's really funny that, that you actually bring this up and it's like, of course, universal. So I went to this the weekend thinking, I'm like, okay, what is my block? Why am I playing small? Why, for that exact reason. And so I thought I had maybe like daddy issues because my, oh, that's a whole other story. Um, my dad was a, he then retired from the VP and became a pastor and then Super long story short, ends up being a full blown narcissist living multiple lives behind our backs and sleeping with dad uh, was oh yeah, sleeping with parishioners at the church during marriage counseling. So that's a that so I was like, Oh, I must have daddy problems. Like I must like, but even though I did all the healing and all that yucky work when you kind of go through that as a teenager. So I was like, yeah, but I was like, but I forgive him, like truly, like I he's, he's got mental issues, and so I'm like, okay, I don't I I don't know what my problem is because I'm not trying to please him. What in the world? And so I'm up front talking about it, and the leader was like, you've got mom problems. I was like, no way, my mom's my best friend. What are you talking? About? out and he's yeah. like no he's like you he came up and on this whiteboard because you have held your your mom on this high pedestal and you have tried to mirror her even though you love her and all of this you've tried to be like her you've tried to and you hold and I hold my mom to really high expectations which led us to getting into kind of some fights as adults like pushing each other's buttons and so she's he's like you've held her this high expectation which means that when she doesn't Meet your expectations, you get mad at her because you think she's so perfect. It's like, oh my God. And then it led to she's never once said that she's proud of me, not one time. And so I was doing all of these things, building, you know, when I quit my working for the UN, I built my first online business, you know, hit six figures, super successful, still nothing. No, I'm proud of you, nothing. And so I was like, oh, my God, I've got mommy problems. She's the one I'm. Right. Who do I have to be? <laughs> do I have to be the
0: president? Like, what? What do you want?
1: Yes. And so I'm like crying in front of everyone. I just, I like mind blown. Those are those moments where you're just like breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. So I end up. I she knows this story, so I end up telling. Like after the, the event, he's like, you have to tell her like that you've got mommy problems. I was like, oh great, this is fun. And so I tell her, and I was like, I. This is just hysterical. It's like, Mom, you've never said I'm proud of you. Yeah, I have. No, 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 not once. Still to this day, I've never gotten I'm proud of you. And I, <laughs> even during that conversation, she couldn't muster up to say it. So she was raised by... My grandparents are German. My granddad was in World War II. They grew up in the Great Depression. I'm very close with my grandparents, like obsessed. They never told her, I'm proud of you. So she just doesn't have that capability in her she does she goes above and beyond to take care of me would do anything for me is at all my events all of that so isn't that funny so i've had to come to terms with it's okay like she just doesn't have it in her because she just doesn't know any
0: better yeah i mean this you know this shit is weird because it's obviously it's it's obvious that we can make it you know about us because how could you how could you not because it seems like you know what the fuck like how much How much more do you want me to do? But at the same time, we're a product of how we were raised by our parents, right? So like, you know, I travel around the world a lot and there is, there's quite a difference. You know, my family's from, my mother's family's from Italy, Naples, Italy. So like you you wake up and somebody's tongue kissing you in the house. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like that's, it's like everybody, they just like, it's crazy. They're so tactile and kissy and huggy that, you know, but when I travel and I go to places like Germany, um, there's a whole different vibe there, you know, and Russia, etc. There's a, there's a standoffishness and, you know, that manifests through gener- generations. And it's really, obviously it has nothing to do with you. It's just sort of culturally how she, how she was born, but, but you're right. So circling back, we make these false perceptions of ourselves through a, a whole multitude of things.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: I want to move on to your marriage. I'm going to talk about your first marriage. Yes. Can we go oh, there? Oh, please.
1: I, I'm, I'm an right. open book.
0: <laughs> All right. So you got married. You were young, really. Like you're young, you're young now and you're on your second marriage. So you got married pretty yep. young and you realized that that was the wrong situation for you. And looking back on it, what lessons did you learn that you were, let's say, not bringing into your current
1: marriage? Mm, oh my gosh. So... so that is a pandora's box so many so number one comes to mind just kind of what pops out first is is communication and and being true to my voice and how i feel so in that in that marriage i i got into it because i was at such like a that was at my like lowest point of insecurities and I was like, "Oh, he'll take care of me. This is someone that'll take care of me." You know, the, the white picket fence syndrome, all of that. And I wasn't listening to my like inner guide, to my higher being, whatever you want to call it. I was ignoring it because, you know, so like I, I'm not good enough. I am not smart enough to get anyone different. So I'll just this, this is good enough right now. And then which led to lack of communication. So we did not communicate any of our feelings, good or bad. We, for the very start, like we were like teenagers pretty much, but we weren't even teenagers. We were acting like it. So that was something, a huge lesson for me is to feel um, safe sharing my voice and to, if I'm not feeling safe to share my voice, to like say I'm not feeling safe. And so my current husband is like Mr. Expert Communicator. Like to the T, like if there's something wrong, he'll say it immediately, no matter what. If he's if I hurt his feelings, he'll tell me. So that was just, yeah, a huge lesson was I needed to work on on voicing my thoughts. And it stems from just childhood and all of all of the bullying. I never stood up for myself and I never shared how I feel how I felt. And that really grew like that was the biggest piece of art. We just didn't know we didn't know each other. We never gave each other the chance to like talk about what our needs were or any of that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, relationships can be really, really tricky that way. Communication is such a big deal. Sometimes, you know, I I have friends who like go on for years and, you know, you ever go out to dinner with these people and they, you know, they just start all of a sudden they're like, you can, you can sense the vibe that their relationship isn't good. And they're taking digs at each other, you know, through dinner. And you're like, fuck, would you guys just talk to each other, please? You're killing me. I, you know, it, it's usually when I, when I order like my third glass of wine, because I'm trying to numb out, you know? <laughs> you know so mean? passive
1: aggressive. That was like us. Like we would dig at each other. We were literally rob that couple. We would, he'd, he'd make fun of me backhanded comments. I'd make fun of him. I mean, it was so like disgustingly ugly. I look back, I'm like, I mean, it's a, I look back and I don't even recognize the person I was or who he was.
0: Do you think that somewhere along the line, like even, you know, I had some, I had some shitty daddy issues as well, and I had a really shitty first marriage. So, but at the same time, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? At the same time, I look back and I'm like, if that shit didn't happen to me, then I could never be able to work out where I am today. So do you kind of feel like some of that shit was just your path and you just needed lessons,
1: Oh my gosh, yes, I do not regret that whatsoever. It, it it let me it let me learn so much about myself. It's incredible. I didn't know what my love language was and now I know and it's affirmations and he never gave me any affirmation. So for him to trigger me like that and be that mirror for something that I really needed to like survive, to breathe was huge. So I learned what I needed um, and what I needed to hear in order to just feel good about myself. Um, I learned that I wasn't a good communicator. I learned that I had a lot of self-doubts. And again, he was the mirror for all these. He was my teacher of being able to say, whoa, you are better than how you're treating yourself right now. You are capable of so much more. And because he didn't believe in that in me, I didn't see that. So because of the shit we went through, it allowed me to see so many blocks that I had that if we hadn't gone through that and I just got married to someone who didn't teach me that. And then maybe they you know, t- would end up talking down to me because I never gained that confidence. It would have been a whole different story. So I, I've like, yeah, the lessons I've learned about the capabilities I am of being the amazing person that I am are all due to going through that.
0: Can you explain for people that don't know what love languages are? And when you say affirmations, what that means?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, I need I I need someone to tell me I am pretty. I need them to say you are amazing. You are capable of doing all the things you could possibly dream of. Like my and my now husband is very 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 good at filling that love language. And so yeah, it's just like you are this, you are that. Even though it's, some people can think, oh affirmations, Ugh, that's like super narcissistic. And no, it's just. Everyone has their, it's either touch, they need to be touched, they need to have quality time. It's just the way we're wired to be able to feel connected. Like that's my, I don't need to hear from other people. I just need to hear it from my partner. So affirmations, your love language is for your partner mainly. Obviously, it's nice to hear from other people, but it's your way of feeling like they are paying attention to you and that they love you
0: you know, I, I must've been living under a rock because I never understood, I never knew about, uh, the love languages stuff. And I was with, uh, our mutual friend, uh, Lori Harder in, uh, in Greece. And, uh, for me, I love doing things for people. I love, you know, like going to a, going to the restaurant and making sure we got the exact right table at the exact right sunset spot with the exact right champagne glass. Like I'm just obsessed about that. And so I'd been doing that, which is ultimately how they convinced me that doing a mastermind would be a good idea. <laughs> and uh, she said, you know, your your love language, Rob, is acts of service. And I was like, what is that? And she explained it to me. And I was like, oh, that really is important to me. Like, I, I that's really important. I need to do things for people. So for you, it's words of affirmation. So if we were married, I need to come home at the end of the night and say, man, you look beautiful today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, Well, perfect. So let's move on. I want to talk a little bit about the magic of manifesting. You, you explained to me when we first met that you're a little bit more on the science side when it comes to this stuff. So maybe, you know, you can, we can, let's use a a general example. Somebody says, I want to make a million dollars. Can you walk me through how you teach them to manifest what it is in their
1: life? Yes, oh, manifestation is, and I always like to lead with this. When people hear manifestation, like, and you're like, "Oh God, this is not about to be a conversation about manifestation." Just know that we are coming to a place in, um, it's just in science and in what we're learning about the vortex, and the energy field that's around us. This is. For realsies. Like it is 2019. We are in this. So it's one of those things you either hop on the boat and you get with the manifestation train, or it's like you're missing out on very natural, pure energy that's here to bring us to what we desire. So I just like to I like to preface that because some people are put off by manifestation and the law of attraction. Cause they think of the movie The Secret. And the secret was a great way to open up people's eyes, but it really missed a lot of the key points on what you really need to do versus just think and make it happen, which is not the case.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, so, right? Because it gets, yeah. yeah,
1: it does, it does. So, like, if anyone is thinking that, just, just, just turn that, uh, that, you know, that assumption off. And so, when it comes to allowing your brain to bring you what you need. The first step is to just surrender to the beliefs. So kind of like what I just went through, surrender to what you think, surrender to what you know, and open your thought and your mind and your body and everything to something greater than yourself. That there's an energy field around you to literally bring you to that future you that has everything you want, aka manifestation how stories in our mind works and how it works with the neurons in our brain. So when we let's talk about money. Let's kind of start like foundational money. So when we have a negative thought around money such as when you pay your pay your rent or your mortgage and you're like, "Oh my god, you know, I pay what? This is so stupid." And you do that every single time you pay your mortgage. Guess what? It's the same price, the same cost. But we Automatically, habitually, have the same reaction, and it's because our subconscious mind is like a, it's a com- it's a computer hard drive. So it holds on to every single thought, word, uh, scenario that you said, that happened, that your parents said, did when you were you know born until now. So here's a little task that you can do just to start, and this this will tap into how to truly manifest. But this is like the foundational piece. So. Get an understanding what your money stories are and how what neurons you need to work on unwiring because you can unwire those negative neurons and fire them to new, more empowering thoughts. Just rewriting your mind is what that is. So on a piece of paper, this is a really easy task to do. On a piece of paper, you're going to put a line down the center. And on the left side, you're going to put unserving money thoughts because we're talking about money here to get to what you want to manifest. So you're going to write down every thought um, or word or sentence your parents, society ever told you about money. If it was, you have to save, save, save. You you know, you know, have to work 40 hours a week in order to make a lot of money. And on the right side, you're going to write my new serving money thoughts. And they're going to flip every single one of those negative thoughts. So if it is you work, uh, you have to work 40 hours a week to make a lot of money, or you have to be a CEO to make a lot of money, whatever that is. You're going to write your new, what you want. And you have to release, what a preface is, you have to release the ego out of it. Because when you do this new story, your ego is going to get in there and it's going to say, but when, but how, but why? You've never had that happen. And your subconscious mind is going to look at them also and think, well, these aren't true because they didn't happen in the past. So you're not going to believe them, but just, push through to get them out, brain dump them out. So you're going to flip them with, I I work three hours a week and make $5 million every single week. So whatever your dream is, put it down there. And then in front of those sentences, you're going to write because affirmations, the affirmations you see on Pinterest, on Instagram, just the I am a millionaire, like that's not like, those are shit. Like those don't do anything. Those just like, you're just word vomiting everywhere. So you, so you want which I can't stand. So you want to write, I am in the process of working three hours a week and making a million dollars doing so. Because when you say I am in the process of, your body, so your, your subconscious mind, go, it, it gives attention to what you're feeling. So as you say, I am in the process of doing this, this, and this, you're actually starting to... Rewire new positive neurons because it's going to believe that because you're actually embodying that. So you have to be obsessed with this thought flipping and obsessed with visualizing what you're doing when you are making those thought flips. So, as you do this, your subconscious mind is going to work. Now, it's looking for, now that you've got this foundation of thought flipping, it is now, it's also like a puppy dog. It wants to please you. It wants to bring things into your life that you are desiring, that you're thinking of like I make millions of dollars working three hours a week. So it goes searching for situations and scenarios that match that feeling, all those new stories that you keep telling yourself over and over and over again. And before you know it, that's when you're at the coffee shop and you overhear someone talking about, oh, I need help with this, this, the other. And you're like, Oh my God, that's telling my expertise. You know, even just doing this for 30 days, you'll look back and think, whoa, so far, these are the opportunities that have come in my life just because I've been focusing on the thoughts that empower me versus disempower me. It's, it's incredible.
0: I love that. What you're basically doing is you're activating the, uh, I think the area of the brain is called the reticular activating system, and, uh, which is what allows you to you know, see what you're implanting in the head. I love that. So how do you think that people accidentally or unconsciously block it from flow, flowing in?
1: How are they unconsciously blocked?
0: Yeah. No. So in other words, they have this, you know, they're, they're working on manifesting something. They're, they're activating their reticular activating system. They're, they're seeing it everywhere. But sometimes they still block this flow from coming in, you know, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. And how can people avoid that?
1: Yes. And a simple answer is they don't truly believe they're capable of doing it. So even if there's 1% in your body, that's like, maybe your ego is down there like screaming. No, 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 no. If you've got 1% in you that does not believe that you are capable of working three hours a week and making a million dollars, you will not manifest it. Period. Because, because you brain this bullshit. Yes, uh, country, yeah. yes. Like It really is that simple. And so people listening now, if you are working on something, do you believe it with all of your soul? Like does every cell in your body think, oh yeah, that's totally me. Or is that 1% of you thinking, <laughs> you're funny, that's not possible. And if that is, you've got to really work on, you've got to dive deeper into, okay, what story was I told when I was five years old that I'm not good enough, blah, 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 blah. Like you, it's really then peeling back the onion layers of what that 1% is that's not believing.
0: Yep. I love that. You know, you, uh, you talk a lot about rituals and having habits in your life. And I know that you go to bed, um, early. You're a, uh, you're a <laughs> nine o'clock bedtime or you'd even go to bed at seven thirty if they'd let you. Right. <laughs> oh my God. My dream. <laughs> yeah. Can you give me, um, maybe some of the highlights of, uh, your two hour morning routine? What's that look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So wake up, you know, drink my warm lemon water, put some Himalayan salt in there and start my day off just kind of flushing out the toxins and cleansing my liver. And then I sit down and I meditate for about 30, 45 minutes. I just kind of Whenever I feel like I'm done, I'm done. And usually it gets between those times. I then do some yoga movements, some cat-cows, just really stretching out my spine, doing some twists to get that, that body moving after a long night's sleep. And then I go into journaling. So I write down 10 things I'm grateful for and really embody them and then set intentions for the day and... Allow myself to get aligned with the affirmations on who I am stepping into at every single moment. So, really, when I go through that process of intention and affirmation setting, I visualize that how I want to show up that day. If it's I intend to, you know, be love, I really see myself going around with like my sun shining and really make sure that that future me feels me coming to her which sounds so cheesy but you've got it i embody that that vision of who i want to be for that day so i go through that visualization process and then i read a chapter out of a course in miracles and then daily stoicism i pull some angel cards allow myself to be guided by whoever, whatever is there guiding me and pull those. And then I do about um, five minutes of sun salutations over and over and over again and sit down and read for usually about like, 30, 40 minutes, I I could sit and read for hours, but I, I have to set a timer with reading or else I will sit and read for an hour. But it's usually about like 40 minutes and that's that's my morning routine and kind of a, a snippet. Beautiful,
0: that's beautiful. So yeah. uh, Marianne Williamson, can you believe that she's running for president I now?
1: freaking love it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's unbelievable, it's unbelievable. And the Daily Stoic, uh, Ryan Holiday is yep. just fantastic. I mean, that it's amazing at how... That shit from 2000 years ago is still relevant today. It's freaky. Uh, so let's move on to uh, the art of fulfillment portion of the show and talk about some of the things that you do to improve things that are outside of the kind of work that you do. So are there any positions or opinions in the last few years, and or it could be way back, doesn't have to be in the last few years, that you've changed substantially on where you've shifted your position or you've completely changed your mindset about, you know, where you were like, you thought of it this way, but now you're like, no, I don't feel that way anymore.
1: Mm, good question. I like that. So that's actually something I'm kind of been going through the past probably six months. And that is you have to be doing something at all times to move forward in your business. And if you are just sitting there doing nothing, you are behind you are making less money. And so my new my new realization, my new story, um, my new way of living is adding more play-in. Adding literal on my calendar, I have like an hour blocked off two times a day of just doing what I want, of sitting in silence if I need to, of coloring in a, like in a, a mandala coloring book or going outside and playing with my dogs. So that is definitely something that I'm fully embracing and it's actually brought me more success. It's funny when we think one thing (laughs) and then, and then tap it. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: I just, I interviewed uh, Preston Smiles, um, one of the speakers at our last mastermind, the one that I'm in with you. He did something interesting around that exact area was he decided to, he was having the same challenge and he decided to do something fun every day. So, you know, he told me stories my wife would call me and she'd be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm skateboarding. And she'd be like, you're fucking skateboarding? Like, do you have any idea how much shit I have to do? I got the baby. He's like, I'm putting play into my life every day. It's only 10 minutes. I'm going to have to call you back. And he said he jumped up a million bucks that year because he put one play thing, whether you know, he's in Southern California. So it was like, you know, it was surfing or... You know, skateboarding or whatever, but he did one play thing every day. And there's something, you're right, there's something about us as entrepreneurs where we just want to keep working until we drop dead because, you know, you, we usually love it. So, but it doesn't it doesn't allow us to be well rounded. So I love that.
1: Yeah, what well, does it doesn't open us to like clarity or those downloads that we need when we are in that hustle mode all the time in our masculine? We actually block like the magic that comes with being like in your feminine flow. Like that's when you have those brilliant ideas that make you millions of dollars.
0: <laughs> you know, I got to I got to tell you something too. It's not even the feminine flow. It's just the oh, flow for sure. Like for sure, you know what yep. I mean. Like we even as even as men, you know, we could be so focused on, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to kill it. And you know, there's like, we're pissing all over the goal that we want, you know? (laughs) And then we wake up and go, whoa, like, you know, where it's like, where do your best ideas come from? They come when you're in the shower because you're not doing anything. So I love that. If you were a critic doing a review of your life so far, what would you say?
1: Oh, if I was a critic doing a review. Oh my. Uh, Probably you, you need you need to play bigger. You need to shine brighter. That's 100% what they would say.
0: Love it. If you could spend a month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why'd you choose it?
1: Oh, easy answer. Uh, Africa, I probably Ghana. And why? I've actually have t- Africa tattooed on my wrist. I am obsessed with Africa. I do a lot of volunteer work there and we will be adopting from Ghana. So... I would be in Ghana
0: <laughs> It's really interesting why the African uh, connection for you
1: I have I think as so I believe in past lives I think in one of my past lives I was African and it was my favorite life um the, I've gone there multiple times the first time I went there I as a little girl I, I visioned myself in Africa like surrounded by little African children teaching and I did that a few years ago I actually made that a reality and I the first time I landed there I Literally cry. Like, I get goosebumps thinking about it. I bawled my eyes out when I stepped foot on African soil. I never felt more home in my entire life. That's so crazy. It's unbelievable. I have this incredible pool there where not a day goes by. Like, that's why I'm going to start a nonprofit there. I'm going to be doing a lot of work in Africa because I just, we're going to be buying a house there. It's just, oh, nothing has ever, and I've been all over the world. I've been pretty much on, a majority of countries and it's by far my favorite well, con- continent so, continent, because it's not a country so interesting we
0: did south africa last year oh, uh, cape we did, town? um cape town yep. yeah it was it was really really cool weird question but if you can only go to one restaurant before you die where would your last meal be
1: Ooh, one restaurant I love, I love Mexican food. So some probably janky ass hole in the wall, Mexican restaurant.
0: <laughs> yeah. By the way, that's always the thing that comes up. It's always like, no it's always, it, yeah, because I ask this to everybody and they're always like, wow, it's weird. It's like this like crappy little hole in the wall. I'm like, that's the one everybody chooses. It's the best. <laughs> What's the thing that's rocking your world now that has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the kind of work that you do?
1: What's rocking my world? Gosh, probably just playing with my husband, like walking our dogs, going hiking, just literally living life with him.
0: I love how you're playing with the husband and walking the dog. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> you're not playing with the dog and walking your husband. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. What's the one thing that you've always wanted to learn, but you just haven't gotten around to yet?
1: I've always wanted to learn probably how to play the um, harp. So that's something I, I've played a lot of instruments. Wow. You're like an angel. Right? Yeah. I've played violin, flute, guitar, piano, and I've always loved the harp. So I was... Loving- but where are you going to
0: put this thing? I, I know. Mean, you it's can't so take fun- it on the plane.
1: It's so fucking big. I know. I, I'm, I am so screwed. So one day, when I... One day.
0: <laughs> hey, honey, we're moving the couch out. Why? I got a harp.
1: <laughs> He'd be like, oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> That's so
0: crazy. (laughs) When you find yourself uninspired, what sorts of things do you do to find your way back?
1: Mm, Beautiful question. Dancing. I love to just put on, whether it be like raunchy ass hip hop or classical music, it's just dancing and moving my body and allowing myself like to get out of make it not about me, because usually when I'm not feeling inspired, I'm making it about me. And when I dance and move my body, I allow that energy to to shift and to move. And all of a sudden I feel ten times better.
0: I love that. Did you say opera a second ago? Oh classical.
1: Any all of the all of the above.
0: <laughs> you know what's really funny? You know what I just got into? I just got into listening to Pavarotti Mm. and if you want to have like a religious experience (laughs) go on Spotify put your headphones in and listen to Pavarotti sing Nessun Dorma it's an Italian song it's the number if when you go into Pavarotti on Spotify it'll be his it'll be his most popular okay it'll bring tears to your eye and the only (sighs) reason why is because I just did uh, my master run in Boston and I hired somebody to do a comparative wine tasting in the north end of Boston. And I also brought in somebody from the Metropolitan Opera House to sing opera while we were doing the comparative wine tasting. And she started singing, and it's just like 90-pound woman. Mm. And there was probably 20 of us there. And she it didn't even feel like the the music was coming out of her mouth. She filled the room. It was like coming from somewhere else. But what struck me was within... 30 seconds, 70% of the room was just uncontrollably crying. And I talked to her after it. And she said, it happens a lot. There's something where we tap into with classical music and opera music. If you're willing to give it a shot, you tap into a place that you just don't tap into. Regularly, and so I was like, "Okay, well, I'll try," and it worked. I went right to Pavarotti, and it was freaking amazing. So I just wanted to pass that on to you. I think
1: you oh my think gosh, that. thank you! I've got goosebumps just listening to that because it's so yeah, it's it's real. It's so real.
0: I'll text. I'll text oh, you the one. It's, it's amazing. You know, we um, we all spend way too much time in front of our computers. What strategies do you have in place to get more human connection?
1: Yes. So for me, it's one scheduling in either playtime, that white space, or I'll just also just get around other, yeah, other humans. Because, yeah, when we work at home, we're just, it's us at our office. I'll go to a coffee shop and I won't take my computer. I'll take just like a book and I'll go and read and maybe strike up a conversation there or go to the gym or go to a yoga class. But it's intentionally putting that time in my calendar to do something with strangers, usually, because I love striking up conversations with strangers um, throughout the week, for sure. I,
0: I love that. Most people are afraid of doing that. What advice would you give the introvert? Do you, you, <laughs> you consider yourself an introvert or an oh, God,
1: I am a major... Wait, what do, what do you think? What do you think I am? I always gave it away.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so let, I'm going to give you the definition because I've, I've interviewed somebody who like wrote the book on this shit and I'll tell it. you what the definition is. Okay, so you in. tell me, you, just to make sure you get it, just to make sure that we define what it is. <laughs> she said to me, people often confuse this. And I said, okay, well, how do you know if you're an introvert or an ext- extrovert? She said, okay, simple. I'll give an example. If you had a long day and you were stressed out, and you went into, let's say, a bar, would you want to have a conversation with the person next to you? Or would you prefer to put headphones in and go more into your own head. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, which one gives you energy? How would you answer that?
1: Headphones. Do not talk to me.
0: <laughs> that's, that's more introverted.
1: Oh yeah, I'm. A f- I am. People think I'm an extrovert because I'm super outgoing. I'm major. You see, introvert. when you said, "What do you think I am?"
0: I would have thought that you would have thought that I would have said <laughs> yeah. that you're an intro that you're an extrovert. But but it's weird because people yeah. like, people who would see you like if yeah. I just saw you somewhere, I'd say, "Oh, look at this," you know blonde, bouncing ball of energy. She she just wants to talk to everybody and she wants to go to the coffee shop and she wants to talk to everybody. But that is not you're situationally no, yeah, extroverted.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're
0: I, extroverted on this podcast. You make an intention uh, to be extroverted in the coffee shop, oh, but yeah. your default is introverted, right? Oh,
1: yeah. I my husband is a full blown extrovert. He's he is that person at the bar who's talking to everybody, and I'm just like drinking my glass of wine, and enjoying my my alone
0: time. See, I am glad that we clarified this because people would have confused it. So it's really what is it that gives you energy? If it gives you energy, for me, like when I do, you and I are both in the same mastermind. At the end of those three days, I'm drooling in the corner, you know, just like staring, like you know, I'm in a mental institution because (laughs) I've situationally given myself to everybody. Because you know, when you're in that environment, you know, people they don't see each other for three months have a million questions they want to ask you, and you know, so I just go, I go into that extrovertedness over those three days, but I pay the price. At the end of those three days, I'm oh, fucked up. Oh, I mean, dad. I need to just just die and not talk to anybody, which is fun when you have a four-year-old. But but that's another conversation.
1: Totally dead. Like after that mastermind, I actually, the on Sunday morning at four 3 a.m., I had a flight out to Peru and I spent two and a half weeks in Peru immediately after doing nothing.
0: Do you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to fly to Peru after our next one. <laughs> And I'll sit I'll sit in the back of the plane so I won't even talk to you.
1: I was like, that was was totally me. Totally.
0: It's so funny. All right, right, we're gonna wrap up with the rapid fire round of the show. Answer as quickly or as slowly as you would like. It's basically a first thing that comes to mind, Ralph. All right, bring it. What would your friend say is one of your superpowers?
1: Be in the light.
0: What's one of the things you're afraid of right now? Oh
1: be in the light.
0: What keeps you up at night?
1: Um, not not shining bright enough.
0: What do people never ask you, but you wish they did?
1: Um, what, are my, what are my fears?
0: What's the one thing you want to get better at?
1: Oh, there we go. Hang on. Not people pleasing so much.
0: What book, other than A Course in Miracles and the stoic one that we mentioned, what book have you reread the most?
1: The Power of Now, over and over.
0: What's your guilty pleasure?
1: Oh, junk food. (laughs) I have the diet of a 12-year-old boy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, That's really funny. I'm going to send you some Doritos. What's one thing that you own and probably should throw out, but you're not going to do it?
1: Ooh, I've got this nasty-ass t-shirt that I sleep in that's like torn up and holes in it for like 20 years old.
0: (laughs) If you had to give a TED Talk, on nothing that you're known for, nothing that you speak about. And it can really be on anything that you like or anything that you have a passion for at all. What would it be?
1: Oh, that I don't talk about. God, that's a good one. Jeez, Rob. Traveling. having Traveling as a single, as like a solo woman.
0: Love that. You know, that question, by the way, is a question I got from from reading Steve Jobs' book. And he asked, people that question because we you know we have these masks right you know this is what i do i do this for a living so we tend to build our lives around it but when you frame it and say well if we didn't do that and we didn't talk about what you're known for what would you love to talk about and the answers that come up i gotta tell you are crazy like i'll interview an engineer and he wants he wants to talk about surfing i interviewed uh, a, a secretary and she wants to talk about sex I mean, it was, it's crazy what's inside of us that we don't yeah. talk about. So, cool. yeah, travel okay, for so sure. we, I love that we have that in common. Um, ask me, uh, ask me anything you want. Let's change it up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me?
1: Ooh, what, what is your guilty pleasure? Netflix. Oh, there you go. Touche. Uh, if it was, if what on your gravestone, would you want it to be? Say
0: he fucking lived.
1: what is something that you wish you had done differently?
0: Spent more time with my 20-year-old daughter and um, realized that uh, time passes really fucking quickly. Like 20 years is a blink of an eye and you cannot get it back. And I wish that I spent less time focusing on work and just a little bit more, not that I didn't, I did. And she would say, dad, that is not true. But I feel it. And I wish I spent just a little bit more time with her.
1: Love that. Uh, who do you need to forgive?
0: Great question. Um, the answer to that question was my dad. And I did Um, and he passed last year and I'm so glad that I did.
1: Oh, goosebumps. That's amazing. Thank you. If you could bring anyone back from the dead and hang out with them for a day, who would it be and why?
0: It would be Leonardo da Vinci because he had such an ability to do so many different things. Like for example, he invented, this is crazy. He, they found in his notebook, which Bill Gates bought for, uh, $32 million they found in this notebook the schematic for a parachute and it said under it in the events that a flying machine is built we'll need to know how to get out of it and we still use those those dimensions today
1: wow goosebumps fucking crazy shit right fucking super crazy
0: (laughs) all right i'll take one more what do you got
1: um what we here we go one with a fun one what would your superpower be
0: My ability to find anything amazing in anybody I talk to. My wife says to me all the time, like, like, I'll I'll be in the cab and I'll talk to the driver and I will have a conversation about, you know, the Yubangi tribe that he was raised in. And she'd be like, how do you do that? Like, I cannot, like, you can find... A ground with anybody about anything. So uh, I would say, oh,
1: so you well. and my husband are like the same human being. You guys would get along really well.
0: Well, I'd love to <laughs> meet him. So you're going back to Colorado? Is that right?
1: Yeah, our goal is to be back there in the next couple of years. So like, we're going to build a, a custom um, a micro home, like a, on like acres and acres of land, and build a farm and be like totally self sustaining. So yeah, we'll be back there in a couple of years.
0: Well, you have some amazing things that are going to be coming up in your life. There's no doubt about it. You are a shining light. You are driven. You're passionate. You're willing to do the work. And uh, I'm really, really proud of you. And you're beautiful. See, see how I learned.
1: Thank you. Just filled up my affirmation cup for the day. <laughs> I, I am like, I am like. He, he is a good listener. <laughs> that was, that was, that was amazing.
0: <laughs> do you have any final words, suggestions or an ask for people that are listening?
1: Oh gosh, um, just an ask to go and do the thing. Like, do the fucking thing that you've been avoiding doing. Period. You know what I'm talking about? Do the fucking thing.
0: Do the fucking thing. We're going to end on that. (laughs) Taylor, you're fucking awesome.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Rob, for having me on.